This is Thursday, October 18, 2007, approximately 10.35 Pacific, and this is the uh, Ontologue session, part of the Database and Ontology mini-series, session number 11. We're going to ha introduce at this point Dr. Leo Oberst, and uh, he's going to do the introduction of our speakers. Leo? Uh, yes. Uh, hi, uh, everyone. This is uh, Leo Oberst, uh, <coughs> Kurt, I, and... Peter, as you know, uh, founded uh, Ontolog uh, in 2002, <clears throat> and we're pleased to uh, introduce today uh, Dr. Uh, Wu, Ellen Wu from uh, Oracle, um, who's been working uh, pretty extensively on uh, the new, newest, probably newest product in Oracle, which is uh, support of RDF and OWL, and uh, it's my understanding uh, additional facilities such as uh, perhaps uh, infancing and uh, search and navigation, uh, querying of semantics within uh, the RDFL uh, extensions to Oracle. Uh, uh, Dr. Wu, uh, we'll keep this pretty informal, um, and uh, uh, what we'd like to do is welcome you to Ontologue. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that all the folks here will be very interested in your topic. Thanks. Peter just requested me to say a few words about um, Alan. And my name is Melia Namale. I'm Alan's colleague here at the Semantic Technologies uh, Group in Oracle. And Alan has a PhD in computer science uh, from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and has been working with Oracle ever since for the last seven years. He started working on a project that we called Dynamic Services, which was a precursor to Oracle support for web services. He represented Oracle on uh, the UDDI standard specification and for the last two or two and a half years has been working on semantic uh, technologies and specifically focused on the support we have for inferencing. He's also a member of uh, W3C committee, specifically the OWL 1.1 committee, which has just uh, been uh, started. Um, he's an uh, exceptionally gifted engineer, and I think we are uh, in for a very interesting presentation. Now, over to Alan. Thank you, Mali. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Dr. Neil Ops. Uh It's my great pleasure to uh, have this opportunity to present Oracle's work in this area, in the area of uh, uh, our inference inside RDBMS. Uh, now I'm looking at the uh, uh, title slide. Uh, the title of this presentation is a scalable RDBMS-based inference engine for RDFS slash R. Could next slide, please? So this is the uh, agenda of this presentation. I start off with uh, introducing some background information, uh, what Oracle 10GR2RDF provides and uh, what is provided in the uh, coming new release. Uh, then I'll move on to uh, Oracle 11GR support, the, uh, the set of uh, vocabularies we support. After that, I'm going to discuss uh, the inference design and implementation inside Oracle RDBMS. Uh, then I uh, show some performance slides uh, using benchmark ontologies and discuss complete this uh, evaluation through benchmark queries. Finally, I will conclude this presentation with some future work in our mind. Kurt, next slide, please. So this is slide number three. Title is uh, Oracle 10GR2RDF. Uh, Oracle started to ship uh, in our you know, database product uh, semantic data management capability in year 2005. Essentially, there are three big pieces storage, inference, and query. Uh, as you can see in the diagram, we store conceptually uh, RDF graphs or our graphs uh, inside Oracle database. One can use uh, DMLs to manipulate triples. For example, in order to insert a triple to uh, an RDF graph inside Oracle, uh, 
this statement insert into an application table with a triple essentially subject, predicate, and object can be used. Kurt, could you click? So I believe you can see a new triple added uh, into the graph if one run this uh, DML statement. We also have a fast batch loader with a Java allow one to insert uh, an entry profile with many triples. In TenGR2 RDF, uh, we provide inference capability uh, to support RDFS vocabulary because RDFS uh, is lacking, uh, for example, transitive properties. Uh, we also provide support for user-defined rules, for example, uncle rule or grandpa rule. The PLSQL API for uh, inference in 10GR2 time frame is uh, create rules index. It's well, excuse me, is well documented in uh, the user manual, so I won't go into details for that. The third big piece is query. Uh, we defined a table function, which essentially takes uh, Sparkle-like graph pattern syntax and uh, a list of models or rule bases uh, to, to perform a, a query. In this particular example, I forgot to ask you to, uh, to click, sorry, cut. You should be able to see that uh, one more click, please. Uh, in this uh, shadowed uh, pattern, uh, question mark X, RDF type, protein. The second pattern is question mark X, colon name, question Y. So this, uh, this query essentially uh, returns the name of all proteins for this graph. Uh, could, uh, please click. You should be able to see two arrows uh, pointing from the patterns to the uh, to the graph. Uh, so basically, we trying to find matches for each individual pattern and then join the answers together and return the results to the user. The uh, the result set from the table function is very interesting actually. It's in the form of a relational table. Uh, doing so has one big benefit we can easily integrate this table function, essentially graph pattern match results, with any arbitrary uh, existing relational tables. Essentially, we are achieving seamless SQL integration through this kind of uh, uh, table function. Again, this product uh, was shipped in year 2005. Next slide, please. So slide number four, Oracle 11G, I'll uh, an RDF product. Moving on to year 2007, uh, we, we have already shipped uh, Oracle 11G database in, uh, I believe, August this year uh, on Linux platform. Other platform support are coming uh, pretty soon. In this new release, we have some quite some uh, exciting new features. Bulk loader, which is able to load up you know, hundreds of millions of triples really fast. We have native R inferencing support with optional proof generation. We have a very cool feature called semantic operators, which allow people to query relational data uh, while consulting an ontology. Another dimension uh, is performance. So in 11G, we have spent tremendous uh, amount of effort and time to improve performance compared to 10GR2. So basically, loading, query, and inference are all much, much faster compared to the previous major release. Another important effort we are working on is Java API support. As you can see that uh, our features, our major features, lie inside uh, Oracle database. So people can use SQL or PRSQL to access. But then uh, for applications or users that are uh, written in Java, uh, it's a little bit awkward for them to use our features. Uh, Oracle is now developing a Oracle-specific implementation of Jena API, Jena Graph API, and Jena Model API. And we are going to release that pretty soon on OTN. Uh, essentially, it's a proxy to 
all those wonderful features inside the database. Uh, there's another effort to implement Sesame API uh, that is done by Aduna.com. It's also forthcoming. Next slide, please. So uh, this is the focus of this uh, presentation, uh, Oracle 11G R inference. In one sentence, Oracle 11G R is a scalable, efficient, forward-chaining-based reasoner that supports an expressive subset of RDL. Next slide, please. So this statement does include many information. Uh, some of the uh, obvious questions are captured in this slide, slide number six. Why do we do it inside our DBMS? This is because uh, the size of the semantic data grows really fast these days. Our customers uh, are requesting us to be able to handle RDF graphs with hundreds of millions of triples or even billions of triples. RDBMS uh, is a very mature technology. It has many goodies like transaction entity, recovery, replication, high availability, you name it. It's also really efficient in processing queries. Why do we pick RDL? This is the easy one because this is a standard. Oracle loves standard. The next one is a bit tricky. Why RDL subset? So as mentioned before, we have to support large ontologies with you know, a potentially a huge A box. So we are looking at A box with hundreds of millions of triples and possibly beyond. I'm quoting a, uh, uh, a research paper's result. Uh, the title of that paper is the summary A box cutting ontologies down to size. It's published in 2006. In that paper, uh, the researchers have done some experiments using complete DR reasoners. Uh, they picked two really typical ones, Pilot and Kion2. Their conclusion is that neither Pilot nor Kion2 can handle LUBM10 or uh, semantic traceability ontologies on a setup of a pretty decent machine. 64-bit with 4 gigabytes heap size. So the size of LUBM10 uh, and server uh, and semantic traceability ontology, I believe, is below two million triples. So as you can see, there's a gap uh, between the capabilities that can be provided by complete DR reasoners and some of the uh, uh, requirement from real-world use cases. Finally, uh, why do we do forward chaining? Um, we think uh, efficient query support is a must. We don't want our users to wait a long time to get the result for a query. Also, if we uh, materialize all those input triple, essentially we can accommodate any graph query patterns. Next slide, please. So slide number seven, Oracle subset supported. To uh, determine the subset of RDL that we provide, uh, that we ship in this product, we have uh, spent a lot of time discussing with domain experts, including uh, Aura Lazila, Jim Handler, customers, our customers, University of Texas, uh, House and Health and Science Center, sorry, and the partners, Maxidarian. So essentially, we came up uh, a set of vocabularies that should be able to cover the needs of a wide range of applications. We have three subsets for different applications. The first one, RTFS++. It sounds like C++, but it's not. So this is actually promoted by uh, uh, Aura Sealer. Uh, it's a very minimal extension of RTFS plus R CMS and R inverse of functional property. So indeed, this small uh, extension can be very useful for many applications. The second uh, subset uh, is what we call RCIF, R with if semantics. It is based on Dr. Tahost's uh, paper uh, about PD star vocabulary. The title of the uh, paper is listed below, it's Complete List, Decidability, and Complexity 
of entailment for RDF schema and a semantic extension involving the R vocabulary. So we, we read the paper very carefully and implement uh, all those entailment rules in that paper. The third vocabulary uh, is our own creation, R prime. It consists of the following uh, uh, vocabularies from RDF. Uh, the first uh, few ones are actually RDFS, uh, subclasses, subproperties, domain and range. And then we support our transitive property, symmetrical property, functional property, and inverse functional property. Transitive property and inverse functional property are really important. Uh, they are used uh, pretty widely um, in users' applications. We also support inversive, same as, different from, and the class relationships like disjoint with, complement of, and has some um, restriction support like all has value, all values from, some values from, and uh, equivalent class and equivalent property. This little Venn diagram shows the, the relationship uh, between our prime and the uh, two standard our vocabulary, our DL and our light. So our DL is the uh, uh, is the biggest circle here, and our our light uh, sits inside. Our prime uh, has an overlap with our DL, and also it supports uh, a few vocabulary uh, that is in our DL. Next slide, please. So uh, the semantics we support uh, is indeed are indeed characterized by entailment rules. We follow the examples of RDFS. Uh, in RDFS semantic specification, uh, 14 entailment rules are defined. For example, the first rule I list here uh, is a domain. It's a rule about a domain. If a property has a domain of class, then if you have an assertion with that property, then you can derive a classification. So we pretty much follow the same approach. And at those vocabulary, uh, we decide to support and extract many entailment rules. In this particular case, for our prime, uh, we, extract, we extracted 50 plus entailment rules. Two examples are presented here. The first one, uh, shows the interaction between our inverse of and RDFS subproperty of. The second uh, example shows uh, some semantics regarding to disjoint with. It's pretty obvious. Essentially, if two classes, C1, is disjoint with C2, then all individuals in C1 are going to be different from individuals in C2. For each rule, we have one efficient implementation in SQL inside RDBMS. Kurt, next slide, please. So it's, it's really obvious now, I guess, uh, that we do not support complete RDL semantics. So a very legitimate question is then, what's the use of this partial DL semantics? I'm quoting uh, Jim Handler uh, from his uh, website. So basically, uh, one very heavily used space is that where RD, RDFS plus some minimum R is used to enhance data mapping or to develop simple schemas. From Jim Hunter's team, uh, there's this very interesting survey paper. Uh, the title is A Survey of the Web Ontology Landscape. Excuse me. It's published uh, in 2006, ISWC. So they, they are connected over 1,200 real-world R ontologies using Google, using Swoogle, um, Prodigy R library, demo R ontology library. Uh, out of that 1,200 real-world R ontologies, 43.7% ontologies are just RDFS-based. 30.7% of ontologies are using our light vocabulary. And the remaining 20.7% ontologies are in our DL domain. The rest of it is in our form. Uh, 
What is more interesting is that within, within that 30.7% of our light vocabulary uh, of those ontologies, more than 50% of them are just using really simple outline features, like uh, transitive property, for example. So it's pretty safe to claim that Oracle our prime vocabulary cover like 50% of the real-world ontologies. Next slide, please. Okay. So the title of this slide is Support Semantics Beyond Our Prime. The first slide on that. So to, uh, to go beyond what our prime uh, has supported, right, there are two options. First is that uh, one can add user-defined rules to compensate those missing semantics. As I mentioned before, both 10GR2RDF and 11GRDF and our product support user-defined rules in the form of uh, antecedents and consequence. Essentially, it's a rule head, a rule body, and a rule head. Uh, this example shows the uncle rule, the famous uncle rule. Actually, they, uh, there was a typo uh, on the slide that you see. So the, uh, the antecedents should read uh, question mark, uh, parent of Y, Z brother of X, instead of Z brother of Z. And the consequent of the uh, rule head is that we can deduce Z is uh, uncle of Y. So essentially, brother of a parent of a child, uh, that person is the uh, uncle of that child. Using this uh, rule-based approach, we can support, for example, semantics of our intersection of which is not part of our prime vocabulary. I'm listing a, a, a small example here. So on the left, bottom left, you can find a uh, small RDF XML uh, definition for female astronaut. So essentially it's an intersection of female class and astronaut class. The core semantics of this definition can be captured using three user-defined rules. The first one be a female astronaut is a subclass of female. Okay, that's pretty obvious. Second one is also uh, straightforward. Female astronaut to be a subclass of astronaut. Okay, the third one captures the reverse relationship. If one is uh, both a female and an astronaut, then we can deduce uh, that person is a female astronaut. So as you can see that, um, although we don't truly support our intersection of, uh, as of you know, now in this product, one can add the core semantics of this vocabulary pretty easily. Next slide, please, Kurt. I'm looking at slide number 11, support semantics beyond our prime, second one. The second one is uh, quite interesting. Uh, we we are proposing to use a separation, uh, separated uh, T-box reasoning and A-box reasoning. We observe that T-box tend to be small, the schema portion, to capture the uh, relationships between uh, among classes and properties. It tends to be really small. So, existing uh, complete DL-based reasoners like Pilot, Kion2, or Factor++, Razor, so on and so forth, uh, they do can uh, handle a uh, small T-box and generate a complete class subsumption tree. A-box can be really huge. We can then use Oracle R-Prime uh, to infer new knowledge based on the uh, complete class subsumption tree generated from the uh, uh, complete DL reasoners together with the A box. This diagram shows the uh, the flow of this uh, idea. So T box coming through the complete DL reasoner it could be a palette or razor or factor plus plus, and then we extract the complete class tree out of that. So this complete class tree together with the original A box are going to be fed into our prime, and uh, our prime, all those rules, will then uh, be able to deduce all those new our inference triples. 
Next slide, please. Slide number 12, 11GR Inference PLSQL API. We provide two major APIs for our inference, create entailment and validate entailment. Uh, the first one allows a user to generate an inference graph based on existing uh, RDF graphs or our graphs or ontology graphs. The important thing to note is that uh, in our input graph, we only generate new triples that do not exist in the uh, original graph. So this way we save time and resources. An option here is to generate uh, inference proof. I will talk uh, a bit more about proof in the coming few slides. We have another API called Validate Entailment. Essentially, uh, after inference is done, one can invoke this API to find inconsistencies. For example, if two classes are asserted to be disjoint with each other, but there's one instance seems to be uh, belonging to both classes. Apparently, there's something wrong there. So this, this API can be used to find inconsistencies like that. I'd like to point out that uh, all, both APIs can be invoked pretty easily from Java clients through JDBC. The typical usage for create entailment uh, is like that. Uh, we first, the user can first load up RDF and our data, and then they can, uh, they can invoke create entailment API to generate input graph. Once inference is done, user can send all kinds of queries to query both original graph and inferred data. Moving on to slide number 13. Next slide, please, cut. We support uh, many advanced options. So for regular users, they can just use those APIs using default setup, default settings. But we do give the users the capability to control, to have finer granularity control over inference process. For example, we support selective inference. If one application only cares about a subclass of hierarchy from existing subsumption relationships, it does not make sense to run those rules regarding to disjoint with, for example, right? Also, we allow users to set number of inference passes. So behind, behind the scene, our inference process is divided into passes. In each pass, our inference engine will go through uh, all those inference rules and try to generate new triples out of those rules. And uh, normally, the inference process will continue here a closure is reached, meaning that there's no new triples can be generated in the uh, in one pass. However, users can set this number of inference passes. One use case uh, is like this. Say I want to uh, find out whether this person John has more than ten friends. Instead of letting the whole inference run tier closure, I can instruct the inference to stop after the first pass. And then I run some query to see whether Jiang has already more than 10 friends. If that is indeed the, indeed the case, then job is done, right? So essentially, this is a performance optimization. We also have many database-specific uh, options, like table spaces setting, parallel index building, you know, uh, table statistics collection, so on and so forth. These are documented in the uh, user's map. Next slide, please. So slide number 14, 11GR usage example. This slide gives you uh, an end-to-end -end flow of uh, creating a uh, semantic data model and, doing, and then run inference and then query. So we start with create an application table that has a triple typed column. We define SDO underscore RDF underscore triple underscore S type inside RDBMS to support graph. Uh, we then create a semantic model 
In this case, we create a family model which ties together with the previous application table. Next step is to load up the data. Uh, users have three different choices. They can use incremental DML, they can use bulk loader, or, then, or they can use batch loader. I'm showing a very simple example of inserting one triple that claims that Matt is the father of Cindy. So it's pretty, uh, pretty intuitive and straightforward here. After all data are loaded into Oracle database, users can issue this uh, simple command from PLSQL, uh, create entailment with that uh, family uh, ontology or family semantic model while specifying the Alpine vocabulary. So this API will generate, will materialize all those inverted triples. At the end of it, uh, one can issue many graph-based queries. In this case, uh, the user is sending a query uh, regarding to all information about this subject met. So basically, uh, the result of this query will return in the form of a relational table all information about Matt. Uh, some two important points I, wa I want to stress. After inference is done, right, what will happen if there's new assertions inserted in, into the graph? Because uh, RDL, RDFS are monotonic, we do not have to invalid invalidate existing inferred data. However, the, there's a good chance that the uh, current inferred graph is no longer complete. So we mark the status of the existing inferred data to be incomplete. If, uh, if create entailment API is uh, caught again, then existing inference inferred data will be reused. So this way, we can the inference is more efficient than starting from scratch. That's another case when existing assertions are removed from the graph, retraction case. Because we do not maintain choose, we do not support choose maintenance, so we have to invalidate inferred data. And uh, next time, uh, create entailment create APIs invoked again, we're going to wipe out uh, existing inferred graph and start from beginning again. Next slide, please. Slide number 15. This slide shows some, uh, shows some details about the separated T-box and A-box reasoning. As I mentioned before, we are implementing Genograph. Uh, so it's pretty easy to achieve this separate T-box and uh, A-box reasoning using that uh, implementation. Only three steps are involved. First, we create a Jena graph with the Oracle uh, data model as its backend, essentially the proxy to Oracle uh, backend. Then a pilot, pilot inference graph can be created on top of a Jena graph. Pilot inference graph is inside the uh, is provided in pilot package. Then we can invoke pilot inference graph that get a deductions graph to get a closure for this ontology, for this T-box. So from coding uh, perspective, it's just a few lines of code. Uh, we, do, we did uh, encounter one issue, though. We found out that Palette uh, does not generate subsumption relationships for anonymous classes. This is a, an example illustrating the, uh, that problem. So we have this employee class, which is defined to be a union of this restriction class that is anonymous and another class, CEO class. If you run this uh, ontology through palette, you will not see uh, this anonymous restriction, restriction class to be uh, a subclass of employee class. However, we do want to, we do want to see that relationships uh, in the class tree to have the A-box reasoning. Uh, 
Our solution for that is to create intermediate named classes that are equivalent to the uh, anonymous classes. And once pilot uh, is done with the uh, deduction graph generation, we're going to replace back those named classes to anonymous classes. Similar approach applies uh, to RazorPro, KM2, Factor++. Plus Plus. Uh, those complete DR business have deep interface so that we can do something really similar to separate uh, T-box reasoning from A-box reasoning. Next slide, please. Soundless, uh, this is slide number 16, soundless. We are really uh, serious about soundness of our product. Uh, we we did two things to make sure our product, uh, the inference engine, is sound. First one is testing, testing, testing. Uh, we also compare with other well-tested reasoners. Second one is proof generation. So when we did our test, we found that sometimes uh, our product, you know, does not agree with other reasoners. And when the size of our ontology is is big, it's really hard to tell which one is correct, which one is wrong. So this is out of a really, uh, a really practical concern. So we found out that we have to generate proof to figure out the, uh, which side is correct. Basically, a proof uh, in our definition consists of the, uh, a set of triples or a set of assertions and a rule name that together uh, reach that assertion. So this is the, this slide also shows one simple example. If we have a property email address, it's defined to be inverse functional property. We have two other triples claiming that John has this email address, John at yahoo.com. We have another triple, Johnny has the same email address. Because this is the inverse functional property, so we can conclude that John and Johnny are the same resource or the same individual. So the proof of that is the three triple IDs, the IDs of those above three triples, uh, together with a rule name. Next slide, please cut. Slide number 17, design and implementation. So, so far I have covered the uh, set of our vocabulary, some semantics, uh, separated uh, A-box and T-box reasoning. Now let, let me uh, dig a little bit into the details of design and implementation of Oracle 11GR. Next slide, please. Slide number 18, design flow. We start with uh, those three set of uh, our vocabularies. We extract rules out of those vocabularies. We then implemented each rule using individual signal. That way we can optimize those signals individually without affecting one another. Heavy optimization have been done to those signals. We have gone through uh, many phases of signal tuning and uh, we added rule dependency analysis and dynamic statistics connection. Recently one of our, our paper got accepted in ICDE 2007 so that paper covers many, many gory details of this optimization. Finally, we uh, use benchmark ontologies to test our performance, to test the performance of uh, uh, our product. We accumulated uh, a few tips, the next tip here. The first one is we want to avoid incremental index maintenance as much as we can. Uh, I guess this is a, a very good practice in database uh, domain in general. Second one is that we want to partition the data to cut cost, to cut the table join cost, to cut the cost of ex executing cycles. Last one is that we want to maintain up-to-date statistics. This is very important uh, to allow a SQL engine to find an efficient execution plan. Next slide, please. So this slide shows 
the execution flow of Oracle 11GL inference engine. Before I dive into the details of this uh, diagram, I'd like to give you some uh, background information about our storage scheme. This storage scheme has already been covered in the first uh, talk by uh, Dr. Shari Das and Dr. Uh, Manny Anamalai. I'm going to briefly introduce the idea here. So on the right-hand side, you can see two tables. One is the values table, which stores the mapping from URI, neutrals, or blank nodes, to a system-generated integer IDs. The second table, ID triples table, essentially stores the graph. Two, uh, there are three major columns, subject ID, predicate ID, and object ID. The meaning of them are pretty straightforward. I want to stress that this table is partitioned. Okay, so the, each database table partition represents one graph. This uh, small uh, RDF graph uh, is stored in one partition. The importance of this partitioning is that uh, it allows more efficient query execution and inference execution because at one time you only need to uh, work on one partition. Now back to the execution flow. The inference starts with creating a uh, unindexed partitioned temporary table and a new partition in the ID triples table. At, at, there are some numbers uh, in the uh, execution flow diagram. So this is step number one. Step, step two, uh, we are going to iterate through all these rules, check or file rule one, and so on and so forth, all the way to the last rule. If there are new triples, we are going to insert them into the uh, temporary working table. If at the end of uh, going through all those rules, there are no new triples generated, we know that we have reached a closure. And then we copy out all this data from, those, uh, from that temporary table to an exchange table, and then exchange to perform a table partition exchange. This is pretty uh, database specific. And after that, we are done. So as you can see, this uh, input graph uh, is just in this ID triples table, similar to uh, other ontology graph or RDF graph stored in Oracle database. Next slide, please. Slide number 20. So having covered the vocabulary, uh, semantics, the uh, design and implementation, now let me uh, show you some of the performance evaluation we have done. Next slide, please. Slide number 21, database setup. We used uh, really cheap uh, PCs, commodity PCs. Uh, it's Linux-based PC with a single CPU. CPU speed is 3 gigahertz. And the physical memory is pretty tiny, 2 gigabytes. Database, uh, we have three computers connected using a gigabit network. The network speed is really critical. Uh, the database, 11G database, is installed on one machine, a sample of three, as you can see from this diagram. Two other machines, sample of one and sample of two, they are merely providing disk storage space to, uh, for this database. Next slide, please. Slide number 22, machine and database configuration. As I mentioned in previous slide, uh, we are using uh, a gigabit network to connect these three PCs together. And uh, sample of one and sample of two, those two PCs are simply providing uh, disk space for this you know, database. We are using this particular NFS configuration. Um, if you are interested in reproducing the, the results, you can use this setup. There's uh, one interesting paper about NFS configuration for database. If one of you is, you know, is interested, I can point you uh, to that link. Hard disk used uh, also cheap. Uh, we used 
the SATA 72 RPM hard drives, those hard drives are in general much slower than the RAID drives um, used in commercial databases. So we use two hard drives on each PC, so together there are six hard drives involved. This table shows some DB block size memory target. The important one is memory target. Uh, essentially, it says that uh, we are dedicating 1.4 gigabytes out of the uh, total 2 gigabytes uh, physical memory to this database. This 1.4 gigabyte will be shared uh, with memory area for server process and memory area for storing data and control information for the database in instance. Uh, using Oracle term, is a combination of FGA and PGA. Next slide, please. Slide number 23, table space configuration. We created a bunch of table spaces. Table spaces, um, essentially, you know, is the storage for tables, indexes, so on and so forth. The details here is not important, okay? The important thing is that we spread out table spaces across multiple disks. That way, the uh, physical I.O. is spread over multiple PCs, over multiple hard drives. This is pretty important for performance. Slide number 24. Next slide, please. This is a very important slide. It summarizes the uh, performance evaluation for inference of Oracle 11GR product. So we tried uh, our product on three uh, different setups. Uh, the first one, different configuration. The first one uh, is RDFS vocabulary. Uh, second one is R prime vocabulary. Uh, the third one, uh, the last two, two columns uh, in in this table, shows the result of R prime with pilot uh, inference on that T box. We use three benchmark ontologies. LUBM50, Lehigh University Benchmark, uh, 50 universities, that has 6.8 million triples in the original data graph. Second ontology used is LUBM1000, it has 1,000 universities. Um, the original graph has 133 million triples. The third ontology used is Uniprod, it has 20 million triples. So for LUBM50, uh, our inference engine generates 2.75 new triples in 12 minutes and 14 seconds. For LUBM1000, uh, with RDFS vocabulary, our inference engine generates 55 million new triples in 7 hours and 19 minutes. For our prime and pilot uh, on T-box, the last two columns, um, our inference engine generated 3.25 million triples in 8 minutes and 21 seconds. And for LUBM1, uh, the inference engine takes 7 hours and 12 minutes to generate 65 million triples, meaning new triples. This diagram on the bottom left shows the inference speed. Uh, it plots the inference time versus uh, the number of universities. Uh, here uh, we are using the LUBM ontology. As you can see, the system scales pretty well. Uh, one interesting, interesting thing to note is that uh, when the number of universities is small, like 50, the inference speed is indeed faster. That is because more data can fit into memory so that, you know, table joins or select can be done much more efficiently. But once the data grows up out of, you know, the, uh, the limit of uh, physical memory, the speed will drop. But uh, if we compare the speed uh, of inference uh, against LUBM500 and LUBM1000, you can see that the speed is pretty much the same. So it scales really well. I I don't I don't put the uh, 
uh, LUBM 500 numbers here because I'm running out of space, but it uh, scales pretty linearly with uh, LUBM 1000. As a reference, I want to stress that it's not a comparison because it's not apple to apple. Uh, I, in the uh, bottom right panel, I list the uh, results from Big RNM. Uh, Big RNM can load, inference, and store LUBM in 26 minutes. Uh, it can load, inference, and store LUBM 1000 in and 20 minutes. So those results uh, are connected from one of the most recent uh, presentation from Ontotext. Uh, the uh, slides has the title of Our Name Pragmatic Our Semantic Repository. So pay attention that our inference time does not include loading time at all. Uh, also, the setup rules used uh, for Oracle, our prime, and our name are different. So it's, n it's not a comparison. It's just I put it here because um, our name pretty much is the, uh, is the only one that reports uh, results on LUBM 1000. We were not able to find any other results uh, reported uh, for this kind of a huge A box. Also, I want to point out that for the uh, last two columns in this table, uh, for our prime and pilot on T box inference, the time does not include uh, pilot inference time on the T box. In this particular case, uh, it only uh, took pilot a few seconds to finish the uh, T-box reasoning, so it doesn't really matter. Next slide, please. Now we are done with inference on uh, benchmark ontologies. Let's take a look at, uh, at the query answering. This table shows the query answer results for LUBM50. The original graph uh, has a size of 6.8 million uh, triples and the uh, inferred graph has a size of 3 plus million triples. For our prime alone, uh, we are able to answer Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, Q5 completely. We are able to find complete answers to those first five benchmark LUBM queries. Uh, Q6 and uh, Q7 are not complete. This uh, mainly because LUBM ontology ontology has some vocabularies uh, including uh, intersection of um, those vocabularies are not supported by our prime. We run uh, another set of tests using our prime and pilot on the uh, T-box. So if we run pilot on T-box and get a complete class tree, we then can find all complete answers to the uh, seven benchmark queries, which is pretty uh, pretty interesting and uh, useful. Next slide, please. Slide number 20. Query answering after inference number two. So this table is similar to the previous one. Uh, it shows the uh, remaining seven benchmark queries, query eight all the way to uh, the last one, query 14. Our prime uh, alone cannot find complete answers to Q8, Q9, Q10, and Q12. It does answer Q11, Q13, Q14 completely. Again, our prime, uh, with the help of pilot on T-box, uh, does find complete answers for all the uh, uh, 14 queries. Next slide, please. So moving on to LUBM 1000. This one is much bigger than uh, LUBM 50. It has uh, over 163 million triples in the original graph, and the input graph has uh, another 60 plus new, uh, 60 plus million new triples. Our prime is able to answer Q1, Q3. Q4, Q5 completely. Uh, it cannot find complete answers for Q6 and Q7, and for Q2, the status of 
completeness is unknown. I, I will get to that a bit later. For our prime, with the help of the palette, uh, we are able to find uh, complete answers to Q1, Q3, Q4, Q5, and Q7. Uh, for Q2 and Q6, uh, the status remains unknown. It is because that we could not find um, results reported by a complete deal of reasoners on these um, benchmark uh, queries. But if you compare the uh, number of matches uh, from LUBM query, the query is the same uh, across the two ontologies. If we compare the number of matches from LUBM 50 with LUBM 1000, uh, if you times 20, uh, the, uh, the numbers shows that uh, it looks like it's complete, but uh, we are not 100% sure. So that's why we put a unknown there. I guess this is one of the downside of an incomplete uh, reasoner. Next slide, please. Slide number 28. This slide uh, shows the remaining seven queries for LUBM 1000 ontology. In this particular case, our prime uh, is able to answer Q11 completely, and uh, it cannot find complete answers to Q8, Q9, Q11. The last two are, are just unknown. So with the help of palette on T-Box, uh, we are able to find complete answers to Q8, Q10, Q11, Q12. The rest of the three queries, Q9, Q13, Q14. We, it looks like it's complete again, but we are not sure. So, next slide, please. This slide uh, summarized uh, our thinking for the future work. So, we are planning to implement more rules to cover even richer DR semantics. Uh, right now, we do not have support, we do not have direct support for our interception of our union and cardinality, for example. So, we are planning to implement more rules uh, to cover some semantics uh, for those uh, vocabulary. We are planning to further improve inference performance. Uh, this is uh, an ongoing uh, effort. One very important thing we want to achieve is uh, we want to seek a commonality uh, of the set of rules among vendors. Right now, uh, if you look at the uh, set of uh, vocabulary supported by other inference engines or uh, other semantic repository uh, products, including uh, Allegro Graph or some other products, Essentially, uh, different products have different uh, set of vocabulary. They make different compromises, essentially. So this creates a problem of interoperability. Uh, we want to promote interoperability here by, you know, potentially consolidating with other vendors and come up with maybe a couple of uh, uh, common subsets. We're going to look into schemes that cut the size of A-box uh, for inference. Recently, there are some quite exciting uh, research uh, in that area. Some uh, people are pro proposing to partition the A-box um, to, you know, to allow more richer DL semantics. And some people are, pro are proposing, uh, some research are proposing to use a uh, summary A-box. I guess the, uh, the common thing is that uh, people are starting to realize uh, that real-world applications, they demand uh, inference for a huge A-box. And uh, complete DL business are having uh, a hard time to achieve that goal. So uh, we are all looking into maybe uh, sacrificing a little bit of the completeness of DL semantics while supporting uh, large-scale A-boxes. Um, as mentioned before, we do not have choose maintenance, so this is also one area uh, that we are going to look into. So, to sum summarize our goal, uh, this diagram shows that we want to advance uh, in terms of 
uh, both the scalability and the uh, semantics, the richer semantics. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Um, so we're to the question and answer part of this. What I'd like to do now is if folks with um, you can raise your hands by pressing 1-1 um, one, one on your keyboard. Let me go ahead and jump in with one. Alan, um, yes. where is this at in terms of kind of uh, customer production systems and that type of thing? Have there been any prototypes? Or are there anything in production at this point? Anything that you can talk uh, to there? Yes, uh, so uh, this product uh, was recently released on uh, August uh, 2007. There are a few customers, uh, they're quite excited about this, uh, this new feature. Uh, one of our, our customers, uh, University of Texas uh, Health and Science Center, uh, they're interested uh, in uh, performing inference using maybe RDFS plus transitive properties. So apparently that is uh, within the uh, uh, coverage of our prime. So as uh, more platforms releases are coming out, I'm pretty sure more users will send feedbacks to us uh, regarding to the uh, support of, you know, uh, semantics. Uh, and uh, so our plan is to work with uh, our customers closely to figure out uh, whether our prime is sufficient, and uh, if not, uh, what is missing, and uh, we, we can then uh, cover those missing semantics uh, in the future patch release or in the future major release. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the uh, conferencing system. I'm not seeing anybody raising their hands for Q&A. That could just be because I'm not looking at the right screen. I'm going to go ahead and unmute all of the phones, which risks a free-for-all, but that should make it easier to have it. I'm Nancy Wiggins from Chicago. So the transitive relationship that's implemented, um, have you used that or are you going to use that for you know, spatial type of data? To be able to, you know, infer, you know, locations that are within other locations and such. So I guess the answer to that question is, uh, if you can represent your uh, spatial data using uh, our ontology, then I don't see any problem uh, in terms of uh, supporting that uh, in our inference engine. Did you hear my answer? Yes, yes, I did. I know it's really, really nice. Well, actually, my question was still: um, if you were to have spatial data, do you just put it? Can you put it in the RDF and and then just use the inferencing, or do you have something special that you've you've arranged for spatial data? Because I know you separately have support for spatial data. Hey, Alan, um, I went ahead and muted everybody. Uh, to cut down the background noise, would you go ahead and restart your answer to the question, please? Okay. So uh, the question uh, was that if you have spatial data, uh, can our inference engine uh, run on top of that? So my answer is that uh, if you can convert those spatial data into an ontology, our ontology, uh, then we can certainly run our inference engine uh, and derive more relationships out of that. However, we do not against your uh, spatial data in other relation tables. Oh. That's all. At this point, I've got just about everybody but Jesse unmuted. So if anybody has a question, feel free to jump in. I have a question. Okay. Um, you said that, or uh, in in the introduction, it was said that you were a member of the new uh, Owl Revision Working Group. Yes, uh, we are in the middle of, uh, of doing that. Uh, okay. Um, so you're in process. That's why you don't show up on the list. Correct. Uh, the, but the real question related to that is. Um, are, are you interested then in using that as a place to standardize um, a, a database um, reasoning sort of subset of OWL? Yes, that's uh, exactly one of the motivation for us to participate in the OWL 1.1 working group. Right now, there are quite a few different uh, OWL fragments, ER++, uh, DLLite, uh, DLP, HOM, Chic. So, uh, I believe it's creating uh, some confusion for users. 
it will be really beneficial for everybody to have some common subset that every vendor can implement efficiently. So by joining this working group, uh, hopefully we can work together with other vendors to have a common ground in this area that can benefit uh, all users and promote and also push this technology together. Another question I had um, was, um, I think in your subset, I forget what it's called now, um, no you said, I, I thought that it did have some restrictions, but then in the later slides you said that it didn't. Uh, yes, I, uh, sorry about it. Uh, we do have uh, partial uh, semantic support for restriction, uh, but it's not complete. That's why I put the res 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 uh, restriction there. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Well, then, it sounds like we're at about a wrap point. Um, I'd like to leave with just a couple of notes. Um, specifically, uh, next week, at the same time, we're going to have um, part of the uh, kind of the NASA program initiative that we're kicking off. They're going to be doing a tutorial on Second Life. And the intent here is to use Second Life as part of the infrastructure for the discussions of ontologies, knowledge management, decision support. So uh, if you're interested in that series of, of discussions, and especially if you're interested in Second Life, I recommend that one to you. So with that, unless anybody has anything else to add, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. Thank you, Alan, and thank everybody for participating.